you've ever been in that group where there's somebody who's like really driving and there's someone who's like barely along for the ride, yep. you know, who, be, be the person that makes everyone on the team come together. Welcome to the Leadership Initiative, where we explore the art and science of leadership through thought-provoking conversations with experts, thought leaders, and change makers. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out on your leadership journey, this podcast is designed to provide you with the tools and inspiration you need to lead with purpose and make a meaningful difference. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Lori Kendall, a faculty member at Ohio State and the academic director for the full-time MBA program here at Fisher College of Business. We have a very special guest today. Chris Phillips is an experienced product design and technology executive with over 25 years of experience and is currently the vice president and general manager of Geo at Google. Chris leads Google's worldwide portfolio of Geo products, technology, and business, including Google Maps, Waze, Earth, Street View, and the Google Maps platform. Prior to joining Google, Chris spent over a decade in music technology at companies like SiriusXM, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Before that, Chris got his start in over 13 years at financial technology companies, companies including Intuit and Accenture. Chris holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from The Ohio State University, Max M. Fisher College of Business. Chris has delivered profitable revenue growth by incubating and scaling new product offerings, as well as operating and innovating existing product portfolios. He has led the definition of product vision, roadmaps, and operations, resulting in revenue and customer engagement growth. His experience includes the creation of new products, expanding to international locales, introducing new business models and monetization methods, and entering new customer segments across business-to-consumer and business-to-business types of models. But now to really do what Chris does means engaging in customer insights and data to drive vision and delivery. He creates cohesive partnerships with internal and external stakeholders to fuel a successful business, product, and technology ecosystem. He's passionate about developing leaders and teams. He serves as an executive sponsor for diversity, equity, and inclusion in belonging in technology. Above all, Chris, Chris seeks opportunities to deliver experiences customers love, solve challenging customer technology and business problems, lead and introduce game-changing products at scale, and above all, to foster creativity, inclusion, and inspiration. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here today. You know, today you lead a division with thousands of employees. And as you look back over the advancement of your career, what are some of the most valuable leadership lessons that you've learned that helped prepare you for managing a large group? What did you get right? I feel so humbled that I've been able to kind of 
actually learn and watch and observe some fantastic leaders with very different styles. And I was speaking with students yesterday and it's all like, you know, study what you love about those leaders and study what you don't want to replicate about those leaders. And that, you know, you can get, you can see different challenges and problems and be, and there's an attitude of embracing those and there's an attitude of being frustrated by them. And if you just take the attitude of embracing those challenges and say, I'm going to package that up into a learning and whether it's a product that you put out there too early and at the market and it didn't succeed, well, what did we learn from that? And so often, whether it's students working on a group project or launching a new product or a big marketing campaign that didn't really deliver what you thought, I, I really feel like embracing the learning and really deeply reflecting on it is super, super important. And that's been something that's really helped me. And then as I've been able to kind of assess an opportunity or as I've been able to explain the why behind a project, uh, because I've thought deeply about it, I feel like I can articulate the learning in a way that can be applicable to another environment. And that's really where you can be a very effective leader. So active listening, I think is a real fundamental skill. I believe that so often people are listening to somebody, but they're actually really thinking about what they want to say next and missing something. And it sounds easy, but it's really hard to do. So I think those that can be great at active listening is key. I also think being really um, insights driven, they'll talk about be data driven, be, be in their customer driven, be insight driven. What's the nuance? And it could be derived from data sets. It could be derived from facts. I always like to talk about like listening posts. Oh, you have an idea? Let's see. I've got some data that I derived that from. I've watched some benchmarking. I've actually studied this from a different lens. There's some research and I package that into, there's a really interesting insight. Here's where the real problem is, or here's the kinds of products that people are adopting. It's because this is really important to them. And I think that insight obsession, even like, hey, why is the product doing well right now? Or why is the product slow to take off? What's going on with the users? You know, and sometimes people want a quick answer, but the being really deep on the insights, I think is a, is a really important skill for everybody. And so I've learned that. And I think that's uh, very powerful. The, the last thing, and there's so many things I would say about this, but I think building inclusive teams and the thing about, it starts with you've got as a, as a modern leader, you better be building a representative team. You better be bringing in a diverse set of backgrounds, gender, ethnicity, thinking, mindset. The thing about having a diverse and representative team, once you're doing that, is it actually doesn't automatically click. You have to actually invest in how to help that team feel a sense of belonging. And the inclusion of the mind, you just brought on a great diverse team with different thinking. Now you need to create an inclusive environment where everyone feels safe and heard their talents and skills are represented. They're not going to all think the same way because by definition, they're not homogenous. So there will be some shyer points of view. There will be some deep thinking where they're not quick to give an answer. There will be people who have a lot to say and need to be told to hold off and let someone else quieter speak up. Mm -hmm. So really being a leader that can form and build teams 
and create an environment with belonging and be inclusive of the talent you have, you're, it's, you're unstoppable at that point. And so I, I really believe if you can, it takes work, there's trial and error. I've made lots of mistakes on trying to build the right team and, and, you know, how to bring on teams and groups. You have to be patient. It doesn't just happen automatically. And in fact, sometimes hiring a really diverse team of high profile superstars is actually hard. Every, when you have a a group of all-stars, everybody wants the ball. So how do you kind of help that team kind of work as a team? You're describing the problem with the Lakers last year. <laughs> There's a lot of sports examples. There's a lot of music examples, by yeah. the way. Sure. Yeah, it's a big band, of yeah. course. You've really described Project Aristotle and taking Project Aristotle that was done at Google a number of years ago, sort of the, to that next level. Because I, I think where Aristotle left off is the challenge of the diversity of teams that you want and the time it takes to bake in the diverse thinking styles, the diverse thinking experiences, the life experiences, the skill sets, the approaches. What undergoods all of that, of course, is psychological safety and trust. And those seem to be cornerstones that I hear you saying on top of active thinking, insight driven, Mm -hmm. and taking time so that the skills of the differences of the team mesh together rather than just individuals competing for airtime. That's right. And and just to be clear, I'm still on my learning journey. Okay. I'm far from, you know, perfect and and the ambition to get things and move things forward is often fraught with, you know, stubbing your toe and having to learn. And my whole a point of view on that is don't stop pushing forward. Just recognize when something did, went sideways and and acknowledge it and and move forward and learn from it and then share it with other people. And I think that's really important because a lot of leaders, when you talk about trying to build these types of teams and, and how to use the right insights versus the insight that proves what you already want to do, it's kind of harder to say, let me take an opposing insight that actually is contradictory to that. And let's actually spend a lot of time interrogating that. And I'm going to put my own favorite insight on the table. It's like you can make data tell any story. <laughs> you know, how do you... That's that's a behavior that's really important. And what you'll find in moving big groups to run with you is if you've taken the care to understand and understand the other side, the other points of view, you not only are being a good human leader by helping be inclusive of the different points of view, and you're not necessarily solving for consensus because you're never going to get everybody to really agree. But when you've taken care to get both sides of you, both sides of the coin and or understand the different views, you can make a decision run forward and everyone understands why. And everybody can understand and be aligned on the thinking. And well, what about this other idea, which is always happens a year after you launch? Like we knew this before, passive aggressive pushback. Well, yeah, we did unpack that idea. And here's what we thought. Now, maybe there's new information that changes our mind, but we took care to get different points of view. Those are skills that are so important. You know the problem with all those skills? They Tell take, me. They take time. Yeah. And and I'm I by definition a little bit of an impatient person. I like to move fast. But you kind of have to sometimes slow down. One of you know the leaders at Amazon that I really respect used to say, you know, sometimes you got to slow down a little to bit to really then go fast. And that is so much easier said than done. Yep. I am hearing Jeff Bezos when you say that. <laughs> I'm hearing the infamous six page memo, right? 
right? Yep. In, in lieu of PowerPoint <laughs> presentations. So you have worked obviously with amazing amazing folks. So I'll just rattle off a few of the names. You've worked with Prabhakar Rakhavan. You've worked with Scott Cook, Brad Smith, Jeff Bezos, Sundar, uh, Pichai, Ruth Parat. Uh, you currently work with Sissy Shao, uh, uh, Jennifer Witz, uh, Yossi Matthias, and others. What'd you learn from them? What did they learn from you? Oh, wow. So we could do a whole podcast and right. I feel so blessed. I mean, those leaders and so many more, I've learned such great things. And I work with many of them today. You know, Prabhakar, who's my um, the boss leader of so many famously beloved products at Google, is, is a brilliant leader. And I'm really proud to work with him. One of the things with his amazing technical mind and, and leadership and his you know um, experience in data science... What stands out is he has built such an amazing, diverse, representative team. He has really taken care the women leaders in his in, in in his leadership team, which I'm proud to be on, are phenomenal. They're different points of view, different backgrounds, different um, uh, styles, and he has really done a brilliant job, you know, building teams. So when I look at how do you kind of get the right leaders, the right talent and, and their superstars, and I think what he has demonstrated in diverse representative teams and even more specifically in women leadership is phenomenal. And it's probably not what people, when they Google him, look up and see right away, they're going to see his accomplishments in academia and data science and, you know, um, but I actually think that stands out. So I also think that um, there's something interesting around that I've learned in working with these fantastic leaders around how to make decisions and how to fly at the big picture and adjust your altitude to be able to get into the details. So these leaders, I mean, Jeff Bezos is famous for having this broad thinking and willingness to take on the impossible, but right in the same discussion, get right into the details. And I, you know, and going into meetings with him, it wasn't just the six pager of what we were there to talk about and it all being very fact-based and data-driven and, and thoughtful and courageous. It was, it was also the 25 pages in my back pocket of preparing for the questions he might ask. So the level of preparation and thinking ahead and anticipation is so important. And I hope our listeners will take that as not just more homework, but if you want to really be successful in a conversation with those leaders, you've got to be ready for the big picture and fly to that altitude. And then you got to be able to get into the details because they'll quickly, you know, meeting with Sundar, he'll quickly get what we're trying to do. And you don't use the time you, the precious time you have with a leader like that to help bring him up to speed. You use it to get right to the most important decision or right to the most important thing that you want to go do that you want to make sure he's aware of and the facts and the understanding that got you there. 100%. And they will then unpack what they need you to tell them. And you better be prepared to talk about it. So many times people come in with their big presentation and all of this, I got to tell what they, you really, you're not using their time effectively. <laughs> And so that's one of the big things I've learned with these fantastic leaders, like with, with a Scott Cook and Brad, you know, they really are want to know well before you talk about a business model, well before you talk about how you 
you might launch in the tech. And they care about that. They really want to understand that deep problem we're solving. And they want to walk around that three times. Yep. And they want to own it with you, yep. which is wonderful. And and, and Jeff and, and Be- Jeff Bezos and Amazon, I found the courageousness of not worrying about cannibalizing something, but let's chase where the customer behavior is going and make sure we're focused on doing what's right for the customer. Even if it's financially, I don't know if if that's the right thing right away, but if it's the right thing for the customer, let's go do it. And and the techno- the thoughtfulness and the technology of Google around, we can solve amazing problems with all the advanced technology and AI, but we're going to be super responsible and the integrity behind the decision-making and the thoughtfulness on how we manage the data and the advancements and what the company's learned over the years puts us into a position where we can do really, really valuable, important things thoughtfully. And we can have deep trust behind what we're doing. And there's so much thinking around not just the cool invention, but how do we do it responsibly? And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. So these are some of the things I've learned from these you know, great leaders and Jennifer Witz at SiriusXM and working with her and Jim Meyer and Greg Maffei, their success as business people and watching them kind of adopt and, and, and watching Sirius kind of embrace streaming technology and, and moving from satellite delivered technology to streaming, but using doing it in a way that's kind of still keeping trust with the automakers and the place where their business was built. There's just so many examples I feel I could talk for hours about. We should have had an entire podcast just on this question, but you brought up something that I want to, an itch I want to scratch just a little bit. How did you get drawn to the very nature of the importance of diversity, of thinking, of skills, of people, of life experiences? So here you are, seemingly, because I would never make assumptions, but seemingly a cisgendered white man leading up DEI efforts at Google. So how did you land on that spot and make that such a cornerstone? How has that inspired uh, you to work for, in your words, DEI belonging in technology? Yeah, this is an area that I'm very passionate about. And you're right in your articulation of, of me and my background. And it was many years ago um, where there was a lot of things going on at the time I was at Pandora and um, in the C-suite. And there was a lot of um, ongoing social injustice activity happening in the world. And a very, very close um, colleague of mine and, uh, and and today even a deep friend of mine, a black man who said, you know, we were um, in a discussion going into a meeting and I'll never forget this and we had an agenda and we had a topic and there was tons of things going on on the outside and we came into the meeting and I was ready to get started in the meeting and he said you know I'm paraphrasing but effectively like I, I we need to stop for a minute I can't have this business discussion with what I'm experiencing in my life right now what's going on in the world and I was like immediately stopped we spent the the whole time talking. And he outlined for me how a simple train ride that I get onto. And he asked me like, when you get on a tra- train, how do you feel when you see an officer step on the train? And I told him how I feel and as my background. And he's like, here's how I feel. And it's the opposite. Oscar Grant. And it's really, yeah. it's really, um, it, you know, it goes back to that empathy 
And it goes back to kind of get out of your own thinking and put yourself in, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, even though you really can't. And he then went on to talk to me about, he's like, Chris, I'm like, what can I do? I feel like I shouldn't say anything. It's not my right. I, you know, I, I, and, and he said, you know, what you can do is you can be an ally. And we talked about allyship and we talked about the importance of, he's like, in your role, being a white dude in a senior leadership role, your, your voice can actually do a lot of good. You need to use it. And he called me to the table and we, we were close. So it was, a. but he's like, I go, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I feel like I don't know what to say. I feel like I don't want to put myself, it's not appropriate. Like, how can I be? And he said, actually, we need leaders like you, you to help speak up. He said in my, in his position, he can speak up, but it doesn't always get through. And some of the people it needs to get through to will hear from you. And he talked to me about that. And, and that really stuck with me. And at that point, at that company I was at, I became a sponsor for our um, underrepresented communities. And really my role as a sponsor, as an executive sponsor, is not to have the answers, not to be the hero, to be a listener, to hear the communities, to help unbreak things that need to be you know, fixed. When, when managers are like, why are you going to that community event versus doing more work? I can actually help give permission for people to attend community events because a manager might think, well, that's extracurricular and I need you to do this. And no, 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 that's how we want to be and, and create the culture and funding. And, and so a lot of that was something I, I did. And, and now Google, I'm, I was proud to be, you know, one of many, but um, an executive sponsor for the knowledge and information um, group that, and, and for women in product across the company. But by no means am I the only executive. I mean, our whole leadership team behaves like this. And, and my role is to be there to listen and learn, including my own advanced learning, and, and be an ally and attract and grow other allies. Because leaders that are, are not part of the underrepresented group, they can help. They can help build diverse teams, but often they're not sure what to say or do. And there's a lot of good intention that just, you know, it, it, it's they don't know how to activate and be helpful. Now there's times when, you know, I go as, as with women in product, like why do we have a guy as our, you know, one of our sponsors and uh, the, it goes back to that allyship and it goes back to helping be a sponsor. You know, they talk about mentorship and so forth, but actually what we need more of is sponsors, you know, sponsors create roles when you're staffing a project how do we know there's talent over here? And did we do we have the right representation on this priority? You know, do we give, let's make sure we give, you know, to have advancement of underrepresented groups, they have to have a chance to work on the big projects. Well, guess what I get to work on often? I get to help pick the big projects that are obviously incubated by great talent, but then actually how we're going to fund them and how we're going to staff them and push the teams to have a representative team. So sponsorship and allyship is what I was invited to do. And I just feel like I'm doing what I was invited to do. And I by no means feel like I'm perfect. I have a lot to learn. I feel, but I think it's really important. If we activate underrepresented communities and make them feel a sense of belonging, uh, we can build such great products. And it even transfers into what we call it Google product inclusion. So how do we design representation into our products? You know, more recently, um, we have a signal now that we've elevated where if a if a if a restaurant or 
uh, a business has accessible parking, bathrooms, entryways. We don't just tuck it. It was You could find it somehow, but we have scaled up the capture of that knowledge, brought it right up to the top. So at a glance, when you're seeing coffee shops near me, I can see the ones that are accessible. And by the way, an accessible entry and bathroom isn't just good for people with disabilities that you might see, but it's wonderful for families. It's wonderful when you have your bag to tow. It, they call these, um, one of our leaders at Google calls them curb cuts, where you solve a need for one you know, the, the, the curb being cut actually didn't just help people in wheelchairs, which originally was really important. It actually helps people with strollers and rolling bags and elderly. It actually helps many more people. So we've added attributes like black owned businesses or LBGTQ owned businesses. And that signal has helped propel business growth. It's helped people to go where they can, I want to go and hang out with my community, or I'm not part of that community. I want to go be a part of that community. Great. So surfacing that data so people have the choice, that's not saying something is this or that. That's just showing and building more inclusivity into your products. And I'm just so thrilled that we get to work on not just building representative teams and promoting DEIB, but how do we make our products more inclusive? So I'll ask you if I could ask you to look back at academia and look back at what we're trying to do. And I, I know there's a lot of politics around this, which I find endlessly annoying. At the end of the day, our job in, in the academy is to prepare a larger pool of qualified, diverse talents and skills that businesses need today and for tomorrow. What advice would you give to the academy about how we help you with the talent that you need? I love this question. And being here on campus, we've been talking about this quite a bit. And there's two things I'll say. One is the intersectionality of technology and business. I feel like I'm working at that intersection every day. And what the university is doing with engineering and business programs and integrated programs, and even if you're in studying business or just studying engineering or the sciences, really understanding how things are built, being able to relate to others to, to build teams. So I think that's an important kind of skill set that is in critical whether you want to do a startup or be effective in a big company, you need to basically understand the intersectionality of, of business and tech. I also think 100%. being a, yes, being um, an include understanding the value of representation and being an inclusive leader and the skills that go with that, be an active listener, really understand what empathy means. Um, how, what does it mean to be a real team player? There's very few things that get built that are great in the world by one person. And even sports that are individual, seemingly individual sports, those athletes are flanked by a huge team of people, whether they're comms, coaches, strength, nutritionists, and that's true in business and technology. And so I think the university continuing to help people, and you get, you've ever been in that group where there's somebody who's like really driving and there's someone who's like barely along for the ride, Yep. You know, be be the person that makes everyone on the team come together. And I had this amazing interview opportunity I got to do with Magic Johnson, also a Big Ten, uh, one of my favorites. He's yep. such an amazing leader, by the way. He's an amazing business leader as much as athlete. And he we talked about the no-look pass. And the no-look pass, which he's famous for, it requires trust. 
It requires teams knowing what their roles are. It requires knowing that when you're in a fast paced situation, you can count on who's going to be where and they can count on you and you can do the no look pass. So I want, I want, I want Buckeyes coming out to be able to do the no look pass. And I want them to understand business and technology. All right. Well, listen, Chris, you have been so awesome. Uh, This has been fun. Uh, You get the final word on anything you would like to say to listeners. Go Buckeyes. Go Bucks. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is presented by the Max M. Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. For more episodes, find us on Apple, Google, or podcast.osu.edu forward slash leadership initiative. See you next time.